Well, we are here. Uh, I am with Molly and Amy. We're going to talk through what we know in real time right now with the caveat that things change rapidly during a, pand during a pandemic, which we definitely know about, but we are gearing up to return to school on Monday, January 17th. We are recording this on Thursday afternoon, the 13th. So please know that the caveat is things can change rapidly and they, they have. Uh, but Amy and Molly, thank you for making time so we can walk through what we know and maybe some things that we don't know so we can um, help get our kids back to school safely and, and keep everybody safe at school. So Amy, if I could start with you, um, there are a couple of things that I want to ask if they're changing or not changing, because obviously we've, we've been through COVID at school this year, like masks, eating, snacks, the screener, the in and out of the school. I know that that's a lot of protocols, but talk through, will we see noticeable changes on those things? Jay, I think that we'll see changes that appear little, but could make a really big difference. So the screener, for example, it's different. So please read your whole screener. You know, the biggest change to the screener is that it now says, does any member of your household? So rather than the screener being done, you know, for kids or for sibling sets or unvaccinated sibling sets, the screener really now pertains to the household and households are treated as a unit so that if anyone in the household is unwell, the protocol is that the household isolates for at least five days, depending on onset of symptoms and depending on um, possible appearance of positive COVID tests from either a PCR or a rapid antigen test. Something else that you'll notice is that more and more people in the school will be wearing three layer medical masks, N95 or KN95s. So we have provided all of our staff with N95 masks. It's their choice uh, to wear them. All staff in the building need to be wearing at least three layer medical masks and the N95s are there for them as an option. And we're encouraging students to wear medical masks and N95 or KN95 masks. We have a bunch of child size medical masks in the school that we will uh, give to children if they're wearing masks that aren't well fitted or their masks become soiled. But we know that masks um, have been really well provided and well worn by the children in our school and by their families. So we're so grateful for the way that we've used that safety protocol. And then other protocols like the way we arrive to school, the way we leave school, the way we move through school during the day, how we use the roof and use the field, none of that needs to change. Kids are on the roof in a cohorted way. Kids use the field, although multiple cohorts might be on the field. The beautiful Robert Street field is so big and kids have their zones so they know where to be and they don't mix between cohorts. And they move through the stairs with one stairwell being an up stairwell and one stairwell being a down stairwell so that we don't have kids passing closely in the hallway. So I would say that, that there are some small changes that could have really big impact to keeping protective layers in place for the school. That's helpful. Molly, um, thinking about how reporting is going to change or like, what, what are you expecting as we get back, uh, back to school in terms of like the households feeling unwell? Like, how is this going to work from your perspective? Like, what are you thinking about as we head back on Monday? 
Uh, it's going to be tough and families have to realize um, the screener has changed, as Amy said, and it's anyone in your household now with symptoms. So if there's anyone in your household with symptoms, uh, your child has to stay home. Um, and it'll vary for the 24 hours, 48 hours, or the five days based on what the symptoms are. So really, it is important that you follow that screener so that you know uh, which category you're falling into. Can you talk about the symptoms that we think are going to be on the screener? In December, the screener had symptoms on it. Those symptoms are still there. There's still the fever, cough, you know, the difficulty uh, breathing and the loss of taste and smell. But now that has been added are back to the runny nose, the sore throat, the headache, um, feeling tired and muscle aches and joint pain. And then there's the section of nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. So that second group of the sore throat, headache, feeling tired, runny nose, muscle aches and joint pain, you're only gonna stay home for 24 hours. If it's nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, it's 48 hours. But if you have two of those symptoms, of any of those symptoms, you're staying home for the five days. And at that point, the five days is actually the minimum. They have to have the symptoms have to be improving to return to school. Okay, so it's five days and symptoms improving. Right. Right. Okay, that's good. We're adding math into the COVID protocols too. Five days, two symptoms, uh, like a, one from column A. But I, I, I understand what you're saying. And, and obviously this will all be in the handbook in an updated way in an ongoing fashion. So we encourage folks, even if they're listening to this now, to continue to check uh, the, the, the handbook for parents uh, for school. Jay, I'm just going to interrupt. Yeah. So today is Thursday and this yes. morning we sent, you know, Cheryl sent out a whole bunch of back to school protocols, including a link to version eight of the handbook, where it really specified where we see significant changes, mostly in page five and six, which goes over all of the protocols. And honestly, it makes a really nice tight one pager. Families could almost print that page out and put it on their fridge. They'd have the symptoms and the reminders, but the screeners will really guide you on a daily basis. So it is important that everybody screens on a daily basis. And we also know that it is only Thursday and we're returning to school Monday and there's things that could change. There is, you know, a good 96 hours before we walk through the doors of that school. And, um, you know, the way we, the way we process, the way we think about the five days, the way we might choose to use antigen tests, like lots of things could be thrown into the mix between now and Monday. And we are committed to updating those protocols, updated the handbook. And if, and when that handbook needs to be updated, it will be uploaded, updated on the website. And we will send out a communication to families saying, Hey, we've updated the handbook. Once again, here are the pages to pay extra attention to. Great. Um, Amy, on that specific front, the protocols for the rapid antigen test that parents and families currently have, yeah. can you talk a little bit about that? And maybe if we know sort of what that, what that might look like in the future? Mm -hmm. So on December 17th or sort of that week as people were leaving school, every student and faculty and administration in the school received three tests. And those tests were to help create a safer return to school. And if I think back to December 17th, we were sort of in a transition between the pandemic we knew then to the pandemic we know now, and the way we thought about rapid testing, the way we thought we could use rapid tests for surveillance population testing to add an extra layer of safety. Um, was one way. I'm not sure that that way is going to sort of have a long standing impact. But what we do know right now is that 
we want everyone who was entering the school on Monday to use their rapid test on Monday, January 17th, to test again on Thursday, January 20th, and to test again on Monday, January 24th. And when we think about how we might use the current supply of rapid tests in the school beyond January 24th, there are a few different avenues we might pursue. And so the medical advisory panel is reviewing the data that came out uh, from Dr. Moore and Minister Lecce yesterday, thinking about the supply we have, looking into what supply we might be able to procure, and then making decisions about how we go past January 24th. But it is really important that people use those tests the 17th, 20th, and 24th. If you have had COVID within the last two weeks, I'm going to ask that you reach out to me or to Cheryl or to Molly, and we'll let you know what you should be doing with your antigen testing for Monday, uh, Thursday, Monday, because it might not be worth using that test and wasting a test, which is becoming in shorter and shorter supply. So if you've tested positive for COVID, give us uh, some notice and let's make some decisions about what to do with your testing and um, how we bring you back to school uh, with the least amount of risk and the most degree of safety or highest degree of safety. Amy, can I just ask one more question? Because um, even between the 17th of December and now, many, students um, have become available for their second vaccination. Um, can you talk a little bit about how the uploading of those are going? Are people doing that? Yeah, lots and lots of people have uploaded their data. Um, lots of people have uploaded evidence of vaccine number one. Um, lots, but less lots, but still lots of people have uploaded evidence of number two. And now there's a short list of families who we're having conversations with to understand whether or not we just need to help them upload their data or have conversations about vaccine, understanding where they are. But what we're seeing is that the percentage of population that has both their first and second dose at Palpena Downtown Jewish Day School is significantly higher um, than the provincial average. And that's really, really uh, good to know. Um, we have, an, you know, all of our staff um, are double vaccinated. Um, almost all of our staff now have their boosters, just a few waiting for a few different reasons to get those boosters, but they're all going to be boosted by end of month. And then um, really a high, high degree of our student population uh, is now with their first or second dose of vaccine. And so if you're having trouble uploading, um, just reach out to Cheryl. You could even just send an attachment, know that we're gonna destroy the actual data and just record the date that we received it. And we'll continue to send the link to the form to upload vaccine data uh, in communications over the next two weeks. So if you're looking for a way to let us know uh, just let us know and we'll guide you through that process. It shouldn't, that shouldn't be the barrier to us getting that information and, you know, knowing what our population looks like, but we're really, really pleased with both the um, uptake of vaccine and also the procedural act of submitting that information. Yep. Great. Um, Molly, and you've been so good. Like I, people, families, students, families can, can be in touch with you generally. Um, and I, I just, I want to make that 
in road available because there are going to be undoubtedly lots of questions as the next well days happen but certainly as the as the return to school happens um any trends you're seeing with families contacting you now like what are what are what are what kinds of questions are you getting like the frequently asked questions of molly what are you most likely to receive today uh, there's a couple one is the masks um and you know the most important thing to me is the mask that your child's going to wear that is fitting snugly and not baggy that's more important than anything else if you are buying this n95 mask that your child won't wear then there's no point so really you need to get some masks try them out with your kids first and the most important thing is that they're fitting snugly and not hanging off your face and they're not they have enough mass to change that they're not sitting there in a wet mask. Mm -hmm. So that is a big one parents are asking me. The other is, and this is one that they need to know, is they have had a probable or have had COVID during the break, and now they're coming back to school, what happens now? So just so everybody knows, um, with the different variants and symptoms, and because we're doing probables with the rapid test, everyone is treated the same. It's no longer if you had COVID in 90 days that you're exempt from doing staying home now. So people are already asking me that. So yes, so if you had COVID two weeks ago and you come to school on Monday and someone in your house has symptoms on Tuesday, that student still has to stay home for the five days. Thank you, Molly. Amy, can you talk about um, hybrid learning, distance learning, how that's going to roll out? So it's gonna be with a little bit more, uh, or a little bit less boundaries and barriers. So we know that there are lots of kids who might be needing hybrid or distance learning because their family's in isolation. Um, there might be some trepidation about return to school, lots of reasons why people might be using hybrid learning. And so we're being really flexible with hybrid learning and access to digital learning, um, definitely until midwinter break, and then we'll reassess. We've always had a high degree of flexibility and lots of kids who have been Zooming in. And so we'll continue with that. We still don't want people using hybrid learning because they have a dentist appointment. And so it's more convenient um, or because they slept in. But again, lots of flexibility. Zoom links will be on in classrooms. We ask the kids who are engaged in hybrid learning be prepared to learn. They be in whatever the right place they are for learning. They be dressed for school. They have their computer, their earphones, everything they need to tune in. And we're working with our classroom teachers and our associates associate teachers and uh, student helpers, tech helpers, I said that in quotes, to really manage that Zoom in places where we have two teachers in the classroom and high degree of kids online. We might have one teacher teaching in the classroom and one teacher managing a Zoom classroom. So we've been working with our teachers in all sorts of ways that they can make sure that the kids who are learning from home um, are engaged, have the materials they need, everything's loaded onto the Google Classroom and are ready to learn and participate. But you know, if people have questions about, can I do it in this circumstance or can I do it in that circumstance? Really a quick phone call or email to me would be great. And, um, you know, I'll, some, some circumstances need special approval, uh, but we're definitely being very um, loose for lack of a better word with the use of hybrid learning and just trying to make sure that our families and students in the school are safe and that our families feel safe and that they feel that there's learning for them while they're at home. Amazing, that is super helpful. Um, and Amy and Molly, I wanna be respectful of your time because 
it's great to record a podcast. It's probably better to do the work of getting back to school. Um, but I also want to encourage folks that are listening to continue to check the website, continue to check your email, because at, again, the one constant is change as we head into Monday. So uh, thank you, Molly. Thank you, Amy. And we'll be back as soon as we need to be with the next podcast. But again, uh, emails and, and the website and the um, handbook are always super valuable. So thank you, Amy. And thank you, Molly. Thank you, Molly, for just being a member of our faculty. We've always used you, and I know we'll be using you a lot more in the next uh, three months. And we're just so grateful that you know us and you get us and that you're here for us. So thank you. And Jay, uh, thanks for being such a trusted board partner and just keeping the conversation going. Happy to do it. And I look forward to seeing everybody masked and safe on Monday.